Hello there, and welcome to the first ever episode of the Huge Ass Podcast. I am Thomas Edison. I will be your host this evening. With me in the booth are Andrew Fawcett. Hello. And Alex Cofford. How's it going? Uh, we will be your hosts for this episode. Uh, we're going to take you through some motorsport action, some motorsport news, give us an introduction to the team, and we'll also have an interview with one of our other members. So, let's get right into it, boys. Uh, let's start with the news. And Formula One. The news. When you said the news, it re- it sounded like uh, Top Gear. <laughs> well, I'm not going to say we're ripping it off entirely, but you know what? They it were was, very popular. It was. Uh, it worked. It was shades of Clarkson. Okay. Anyway, sorry. I, I'm very much a budget Clarkson <laughs> at the moment. Um, so let's do the news. There you go. Um, there we go. Um, so Formula One Chinese Grand Prix was the last round that we saw. We're uh, three uh, races into the season. Pre-season testing, Ferrari were the fastest, qualifying runs, long runs, they're going to wipe the floor with everybody, and so we've had Mercedes finishing 1-2 in the first three rounds. <laughs> um, so what happened there? Yeah, uh, it's got to be a disaster, right? I mean, we're three races in, and Mercedes cannot even show up to the next race. Ferrari could 1-2 it, and Mercedes would still have a lead. Correct. So this has got to be considered a catastrophically <laughs> bad start to the year for a team that's trying to win the constructor championship. So yeah. where are they going wrong? I, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like every year Mercedes does the same thing where they just do their own thing in testing. And we all think they're going to be slower than they were last year. And then that comes to the first round in Australia and they just dominate. But well, yeah, I mean, Australia is like, that's a sort of special track, right? That's true. It's a street um, circuit. It's different. It's not, and we you know, saw that in, in 2018 as well. Like, for yeah. quicker, Hamilton showed up and he was immediately 0.7 seconds on pole and blew them all away. Same yeah. sort of thing happened this season. But then we got to Bahrain and Ferrari had the faster car. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they but th- they threw it away. I feel like in a situation like that, you know, we had the li- or Ferrari had the reliability issues. And we know at this point, Mercedes isn't going to have that. So Ferrari has to be essentially perfect because they, Mercedes doesn't throw away races with DNFs. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. So right. they, have, they, have that, they have that experience. They've won championships recently. They and, know what they're doing. And so when you have Leclerc out in front who had that engine issue, you, they can't afford to ruin and throw away those points. And that's what right. they've done. And so should they be this far behind? I don't really think so. But the reality is, is through the first half of last year, that's where Ferrari was the strongest. And yeah. they kind of faded and faded and faded and fell, what, 80 points behind by the end of the year. And yeah. now now they're almost that far behind at three races. Which is, that's tough, right? They've, they've got a lot of work to do to get back on this. Um, right. So can they, is the question. Can they come back? I think, I think fundamentally they have the fast car, right? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously yeah. they have the pace. And Charles was like stupid fast and he had the reliability issue. And then they did their little switcheroo in China, which was, you know, questionable. But I think they have the pace to do it. I don't, we'll see if they have the reliability and the strategy. And the hard but, part comes maybe they have the pace, but now they have to make up 57 points plus. You know, I don't know. I just don't think it's possible unless something bad happens, multiple DNFs, uh, issues within the team for Mercedes. I really think it's going to be a very long shot for Ferrari to even have a hope. 
Yeah. You'll speak, you'll speak in terms of Constructors Championship there, right? Yes, correct. Okay. Well, I we might, I mean, you never know. I feel like Valtteri has been quicker this year. And I think after last year, he was a little disappointed. You never know. We might have another, you know, Nico Lewis situation where Valtteri fights him a little harder and, and goes for it. I mean, it's still early in the season to be right. completely writing off, uh, you know ferrari and I, I you never know too i mean i know there was concerns and testing with with uh mercedes about they were really worried about their cars so you never know if they maybe they have just had a couple of, of tracks that suit them really well and and they have a slump in the middle of the season i, I it's just i think it's a little too early to write them off but it's definitely not going to be easy for ferrari i think it's going to be they are definitely behind the eight ball for sure something that really worries me though is if ferrari's trying to be the number one team they're calling these team orders between their drivers which is fine but they're doing it right in front of a red bull with max verstappen and and then they're being reactive towards the undercuts and so they're putting themselves in a situation where they're kind of stacking their cars, letting cars through, and then, you know, Vettel's missing some corners. And so Max is right behind them. And at the end of the day, Ferrari should have three forward that race, I feel, pretty easily. Oh, yeah. But they mismanaged their drivers so much that they put Leclerc on this goofy, super late two-stop strategy to they're, try to run everyone down at the end. They're basically work. like, they're like Kimmy Reikening. Like, they're, they're, he's like the new Kimmy almost, which is kind right, of Right, but that's, that's not a role that he's going to take kindly to, right? Like, Kimmy, no. Kimmy was a very professional, is a very professional driver can do a job, can do a very, very fast race, and you know exactly what you can expect from him, and he will follow the team orders, and he will be an absolutely stellar backup driver in the top team. Well, and the situations are different, right? Because Leclerc's like a young kid. He's like the fast guy coming in. He doesn't want to be the second driver. He doesn't want to be... You know, he wants to fight for the championship. He wants to be props up to him there. for being polite about it, though. Like he's been. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, mean he, he's been polite with a little bit of steel there. You have to say there's there's been some needle to I his re- words. I respect it though. I feel I like it, it it shows that he will listen and he will follow orders. But he's you know he's ready to lead the flag for whichever team he drives for. Well, and compared to his co-driver who we, went, no, we know has not taken too kindly to team orders in the past. and Right. Right. So, I mean, it could be a lot worse. Getting back to the Ferrari part, you know, there's a way to manage that without being so retrospective towards Red Bull, which you yeah. should stomp, right? I mean, Ferrari beat Red Bull, I'm sorry, Vettel beat Verstappen by 14 seconds at uh, uh, at China. So if you just have Leclerc follow him and do the same strategy, but one lap later, you know, maybe he finishes six, seven, eight seconds behind, but that's still a two points that was lost to Max Verstappen. Yeah, I, I think agree. They, I think they blew the, the strategy for sure. And so, I think they I made mean, the switch is, too early too. This is something we've seen from Ferrari in recent years as well. They haven't been that good on their strategy calls. Mm-mm. And I'm not quite sure, ever since, frankly, ever since Ross Braun um, left, they haven't really had the same management um, of their strategy of their races. They've always been a bit reactive, a bit um, scared almost to make the bold calls and yeah. uh, have found themselves on the back foot. Uh, what do you think 
how can, how can they manage that? How can they improve? Well, I can tell you how they can not manage it, and that's by having both the drivers meeting at the same time with their chairman answering questions. That is so <laughs> awkward. Like, because they're is. asking team orders, and you want, you know, you don't want to be mean to your co-driver or your team in front of your boss and your other co-driver. So it's this awkward situation where no one's giving truthful answers, and it just feels so fake. Yeah. It's also it's also a bit patronizing to the viewer, isn't it? It oh, really for is. Sure. It's a weird like, situation where nobody wins. Oh, for sure. And you know, the, the, a Ferrari as well should know this as well as any team with respect to team orders. If you go back to the Schumacher Barrichello days, <laughs> oh, um, boy. I mean, they they managed some of that appallingly badly. Um, what was the race where um, they asked Barrichello to pull over, and it was just like. Uh, Austria, yeah, Austrian yeah. Grand Prix, and he, he pulled and over he, at the line, right? And like, <laughs> and and they were both like on the podium, embarrassed, you know, right? Like, and Schumacher was trying <laughs> to put Barrichello on the top step, and he didn't he want to second, stand there, right? He didn't like, want to be there. It was just a yeah. cringe fest for all concerned, and like, right. well, there's no lessons from this, <laughs> right? And, right. Valtteri had to pull off that you know it was an awkward situation, and Lewis is apologizing after the race. Like you shouldn't have to apologize when you win. No, exactly. This, 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 and this doesn't fit into the to the, the Liberty Media um, ideal of what F1 should be. It can't, right? Right. Yeah. Um, it's a little bit old school. It's, it is. It's, it's not a show. Um, so as, if they can fix all of these issues, <laughs> Mercedes, of course, you know, if they can fix they can. their decision making, if they can fix their reliability, I think that they do have the car, but I don't think that they have the car or the team for the season when they already have a 57 point deficit. It's a, it's a long way back. I absolutely yeah. agree. Um, and, and they can't be fighting with the Red Bulls. They can't be constantly trying to stay right. ahead of the Red Bulls. And Red Bull, I think, you know, I do see them getting stronger, frankly, oh, for sure. this season. Like, they I have the full do. work. Honda, if, if we know anything from our F1 history, Honda come in, they start slow, and they put their man hours, and they put the development into the engine, and four or five years in, suddenly they've got a world-beating engine. Let's hope it's the same with Gasly then, because he has not shown <laughs> to be anything he, along those lines. He has not yet. I feel sorry for him a little bit. Like He's been put into this seat, which is a tough seat alongside the yep. golden boy, Mr. Max. Um, for sure. Which we all know, you know, Red Bull has basically built their whole program around Max. Right. We, the, I mean, this is, this is, Max Verstappen is very much the fruition of Helmut Marko's driver plan. Right. He, he is, he is the, the result of these billions of dollars worth of uh, investment in, in and, this And they scheme. have to make it happen that way because Verstappen's a free agent at the end of the year. Right. And and so all of these teams, if Red Bull can't get it together, all of the teams are going to be offering blank checks to Verstappen and saying, you know, come drive for us. Right. And so, I mean, yeah, but I, I, think, putting, I think there's so only it, two seats that he would go to though and i don't well, here's, here's a here's a scenario Williams. for you I'll, I'll try this <laughs> yeah it's definitely williams um <laughs> uh okay let me try this scenario out on you okay vettel leclerc battle continues throughout the season we saw that in 2014 i think when vettel and uh ricciardo red mm -hmm. bull vettel mm -hmm. did not like being shown up by a teammate that had just arrived and was quicker than him maybe yep. vettel goes back to happy families at red bull and uh, max goes to ferrari I definitely, I mean, that's very reasonable. I think that could definitely happen. I think Vettel's definitely shown that he's still, wasn't he making jokes recently? I mean, it was last year about Red Bull. Like they were doing a press conference, him and Lewis, and Lewis had like a monster can and uh, Vettel was saying something about, you know, I'd rather have a Red Bull or, you know, some joking thing. But I, I, I mean, 
yeah he obviously he has a lot of good history there so i mean it's not completely unreasonable to see him go there and it, i don't it, think so either i think and I, I think we max has definitely got the skill to race in the red car so and it's perfect because then max goes to ferrari and then they could mismanage leclerc and (laughs) verstappen and nobody's happy and nobody wins i don't see lewis Lewis is a seven-time world champion yeah yeah i don't i i don't know i don't see leclerc and uh and max being amicable teammates i think that's that's a combustible combustible that's not gonna end well either so Uh, so we have a whole new era of drivers coming in and mm -hmm. max is going to be paired with someone insanely talented from now on i mean you look at lando norris pierre gasly i know gasly we just talked about it he hasn't really done it yet but i really do think he'll connect the dots second half of the season i think he's going to be an amazing driver if he's given the time he will And I, I think agree. he will, because well, Albon's think, done great, but... Yeah, I mean, you just know. have to think the big step from, you know, a back-of-the-pack kind of team to a, you know, right behind the two top guys. It's, it's a bit of an adjustment to... For sure. You know. And especially in these current, um, these current rule environment, we've seen the cars are so specifically tailored to their drivers that just switching teams over a year, you have to adapt to a new team or to a new car. It can take time. Look at, look at Ricciardo in uh, Renault. He is not <laughs> outshining Hulk at the moment because Hulk's yeah. been in that car a couple of seasons and he knows how it works. Where was that right. conversation where he was complaining about how it felt under braking and Hulkenberg was like, that's just how it yeah, is. That's that's just the car, mate. You got to get used to that. Right. Um, it was kind of funny. Like Rick here, he was kind of basically like the car doesn't drive how I expected it. Basically, the way I interpreted it, he was saying the car kind of sucks, you know? And he was Hulk trying was very like, hard not to say that. <laughs> right. He, yeah. he, did, he did say it very, um, in a way that wasn't detrimental to the car, but basically he was like, you know, it sucks. And the Hulk was like, yeah, that's the way the car is. That's, <laughs> you know? That's just, that's just the way it's going to be. Um, so we have as well, I mean, look, speaking of Renault, we have this sort of Formula 1.5 battle in the middle of the field that's really close this season. Um, I mean, who, who do you think is going to be the team that's ultimately going to, going to step out of that, step out of that pack? I think, I mean, just from what I've seen, I think McLaren, if they can get some good runs, I think they have the potential to do well. I think Lando and um, what's his face? Science. Yeah. I think they both have put together some good drives and they've run pretty well. So, I mean, you think I, the torpedo would allow that. <laughs> you think this is a game? I he's think back. that is. He's back, folks. I think the torpedo is a factor, especially considering he took out both of them in one corner. But you know, I I, I don't think it's going to be Renault. I think that they, which I guess I can say that, but then the McLaren has a Renault engine, so I just don't think they're going to be reliable. I'm a huge McLaren stan, and. I don't think it's going to be them. They brought on so many new people at very high level technical directorship, including the fact that they have a Renault engine. I think that right now they have the fourth best car, but I think very soon they're going to bring a the Barcelona update. And if it knocks it out of the park, they chase the rest of the year. If it doesn't go perfect, that is a great chance to say, listen, we have Andre Seidel. We have James Key. We have pretty much top to bottom, everything new. We've got young, great drivers. Let's move to next year. So I don't think it's going to be McLaren. Um, I'm going to go with Haas. You know, we expected them to jump out 
in the first couple yep. races and be amazing. They haven't shown it yet. Gunther Steiner has said many times that they struggled to get the tires, excuse me, in the temperature range. That's got to change at some point. They have to figure that out. And once they do, we saw how fast they were at points last year. We saw how fast they were in testing this year. I think they're going to blow them out of the water. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. I think the, it comes down to the drivers. I think Magnuson is pretty consistent and quick. I do worry about Grosjean a little bit. He struggled last year. On his day, he can be blindingly fast. Oh, for sure. I just don't think he's got the... He's just not super consistent. Those days are are few and far between at the moment. But Uh, the weird thing is, is that Formula 1.5, they score so low that if you just have that one good race where a Red Bull and a Ferrari drop out and something else happens, you know, and you get... 16 points or you get whatever that alone could jump you two spots in the constructors and, uh, absolutely and so i don't think haas will be consistently the best but their highs will be higher than uh renault definitely alfa romeo i think alfa romeo's really missed their chance right now you, we've talked about renault having issues mclaren's had a dnf in every race or they've been torpedoed which kind of uh, not allowed them to score points. Haas, we talked about not getting into the zone. And Alfa Romeo is tied with Renault and only four points ahead of Haas and McLaren. And is that a car issue or is that a Giovinazzi issue? Uh, you know it's what? definitely not Kimi. <laughs> it's not yeah. Kimi. Kim, Kimi will get the the max out of that car at any given point. Like He's he's a veteran, as we know. Um, Giovinazzi, he was always highly rated in the junior categories and now... You know, maybe we're seeing he's going to need to really get get going and and prove his worth because he's not going to be given a long time in that car. I think. Yeah, I don't know. I I, who do you pick up? You're in the Ferrari driving pool, so you're not going to go for Ocon. No, you go for Mick Schumacher. So you go for already. You think 2019 Mick has a possibility? I think I think there's a chance. Frankly, if he continues to do well in. Uh, in the low formula, he had the Ferrari test in Bahrain. Um, yeah, he, I think he, he did well in that test. He, he wasn't off the pace; like he yeah. was, he was right up there with uh, with where you would expect a junior Ferrari driver to be. And hmm. you know, he's got the history there. Maybe you don't want to put him straight into a Ferrari because of the tremendous weight of expectation that we put upon him. But I'm if gonna, you put him, next, you put him no. next to Kimi. that's the issue, right? You put him next to Kimi. You put him as we talked about the car. It, Drivers have to have to adapt to the car. I think that's throwing him to the wolves too early, too soon. Yeah, it might be. It, it might be. be right. But I mean, I also don't think Kimmy is is going to be here much longer. And you maybe you have his last season, and you're you're having him teach Mick the the tricks. And, and I mean, show for, so, for someone for someone so experienced, like he would be the perfect guy to learn from. Who knows how Ferrari work? Who knows how F one works? Like he's the guy you would want to right. try and groom that talent. And I think Kimmy. I mean, Kimmy knows he's not going to win a championship in the in that car. So I mean, right. it's not too far to ask him to say, "Hey, teach this new kid how to how to race in Formula One." Does he care about winning a championship now? I mean, I feel like he just wants to get drunk and race cars and not combined but no, <laughs> as, as heineken's tortoise don't do that yeah but you see videos of him looking like spilling drinks everywhere having a good time you know yeah. he's living the life I, I don't think he's chasing championships so i agree with you there so maybe he would be more laid back and open to teaching someone else or maybe he's just like i don't care i'm just here to drive a car i think he's just i think he's just a racer and he just doesn't want to retire yet and i you yeah, know he's having fun 
Yeah, I think it's just he's having, having fun. fun. And he showed that he still has it. Yeah, right. I, and I think I think for the last couple of years, ever since he took like that break, I think he's kind of not to say that he hasn't been going for championships, but I think he's just having fun racing. I agree. Um, so next race after Azerbaijan, well done, Baku. <laughs> I, uh, I'm gonna be a... honest. I don't like Baku as, <laughs> as a track. I just I don't like the like. 10 miles straight to like a 90 degree left hand turn it's I, not a classic venue but you can't deny it's produced some exciting races when teams it has to each other that's all i want i was actually just watching that clip before we started talking and it's after the fact you just have to admit it's pretty hilarious i mean frankly and any race that can result in lance stroll being on the podium at the end of it means that something's gone down and he almost finished something's second gone wrong right <laughs> like he was almost yeah. second he was almost yeah so like yeah so we haven't talked about racing point. They haven't looked that great so far. Is this their chance to really come up and up, or are we just kind of counting them out as they're not there yet? I mean, they're not there. They're always going to be there and thereabouts. As you say, it's so tight there that any good result can really skew the championship standings, um, just with the, the way the points are. Uh... Structures. So is Baku going to be one of those races? You think Baku might be one of those races? Yeah. I mean, Perez can be trusted to bring home a result with a good good race stint. And I mean, I would say Baku probably suits their car the best. I mean, with the yeah. long straights and the the Mercedes, you know, power. It's you know. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's see. What are your predictions for the uh, the top three finishes at, uh, at Baku? Uh that's tough. I think. Uh, I think that uh, Valtteri is going to get redemption. I think mm-hmm. he's going to get the win. And I think Lewis and Leclerc will be up there. Maybe a Red Bull. We'll see. Okay. Red Bull talks about having low drag for a while. Maybe this is a place that it really helps out. So I'm going to I'm going to say that it's still Mercedes 1-2 and I think Ferrari's just going to crap the bed because that's what they've done so far. And I'm going to put uh, Max on the third step. All right. I respect that. That's and fair. personally personally speaking, I'm going to say that Vettel is going to win the race. Okay. Um, I think it's I think it's time Ferrari uh, got back in this fight. I agree. But we will see, and we will discuss all the happenings in Formula 1 on the next episode of the podcast. Um, so that was the news. Thank you, gentlemen. Um, yes. <laughs> so moving on. Um, so we are Team Huge Ass, um, and I'm going to make a wild assumption here. Guess that many of our listeners have not heard of us. Um, so we're like the next up and coming esports organization. And so, real life organization. And real life. We have many <laughs> strings to our bow. <laughs> um, so let's give the listeners what they want and a little bit of introduction to the team itself. Um, and I guess our story really begins in iRacing. So, uh, Alex, why don't you tell us what iRacing is? Yeah, iRacing is a simulation for racing cars, really. And it's a game that is very difficult <gasps> to get into. <gasps> he said, he he it said, a game. He said the naughty word. <laughs> and that's, But that's kind of a testament towards how amazing it can be right is people some people make a joke or or are serious about it's not a game it's a simulation and so it's a game slash simulation where you are online only racing against other people and it's an amazing experience i believe into the real world racing experience right and so the team this this whole organization that is 
that has culminated in this podcast. This is the the sum of our ambitions. Um, all got their start on this simulation, and in fact, we all met through a league. So iRacing itself can and does host a series of sort of official events um, that people race in on a regular schedule. But also, there is the ability to set up, manage, and curate private leagues that can run bespoke schedules with bespoke scoring and with a, a membership drawn from whoever you want um, that can foster these little communities within the simulation as a whole. And um, myself um, have been running the Reddit iRacing League for the last, I think, five years now. It's Ooh. it's you know what guys it seemed longer. <laughs> um, um, so we've been we're now in our twenty fifth season. Um, so that's yeah five years probably twenty five drama free seasons. Twenty five completely completely calm relaxed <laughs> seasons. I was streaming the last race and some guy came into my stream and he was talking and I said that this is like my. I don't know, fifth or sixth season or something. He's like, "Wow, you've been in this league for six years," and I was like, "No, like we do, <laughs> we do several seasons in a year. Like it's not been." But it's just like, it's funny when you say twenty-five seasons because it makes it sound like we've been doing this for twenty-five years, but we haven't. Uh, it we feels haven't, like yeah. it sometimes. It feels like it at certain <laughs> points, um, but no. Uh, five years we've been going, um, and we run eight race, nine race, ten race seasons, probably about four a year. And we pull probably, what we say, average 25, 30 drivers um, sure. per season. Yeah. Um, Especially recently. It's kind yeah, of last couple of seasons has been Last probably... couple of seasons really picked up. Um, yeah. And so, obviously, as part of racing in a league, same times uh, every, every week, we race Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And you get a sense of community that builds around this activity, right? It's a shared, shared hobby for everyone that's there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be there. And they enjoy racing one another. And if, as we've tried to do with Reddit Racing League, is promote a welcoming environment both for experienced drivers and for new drivers um, to come in and always have someone to race regardless of their skill level. Mm-hmm. I think that's where that's where I think you guys certainly uh, found found a good place to race. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, there's sure. a especially when I joined. That was Evan Sven and his company. You know, they were insane. But there's also people that was on my skill level when I really was kind of new to the whole experience. Um, I didn't know how to drive many cars and tracks and I really struggled just keeping the car on the track for quite a bit. And there was always someone to race and there's always people that I could peg myself, you know, am I doing better than this guy? Am I, Oh, I'm losing this, this <laughs> yeah. guy. Like, man, I got to beat him. Holy crap. I'm not huh. doing good. And, it, and it's real motorsport. It is it oh, as much sure. as fun as you can have from your desk. Oh, for sure. Um, and everyone talks. Everyone's there's such a sense of community. You get to know people without even meeting them. I've met right a ton of them in real life now, but at the time, I hadn't. And it didn't take long for me to just understand people, have jokes with people, and and feel really inclusive towards a, a community of friends that were, as you said, working towards this hobby together. Right, everyone has a shared interest, and and really that's that's what drove then the creation of the team from the members of the league. Uh, so iRacing itself, Simulation, also hosts a series of special events each year, which are endurance races, um, whereby you have twelve-hour, twenty-four-hour races at uh, sort of mirror, mirroring real-world events. Like we have a Le Mans race, we have a Sebring race, we have a Daytona race. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you can enter a team of drivers to that uh, event, and each driver rotates through the car multiple times during the course of the race, and you're scored as a team. And so a few of us from this community of Red iRacing League decided that, hey, we should enter one of these um, events with a series of members of the league, but we should have a special name. Um, <laughs> And by golly, we do have a special name. <laughs> you know, um, the the best part about the name is that the last I went to the Rolex Twenty Four last year, and I went to the Sebring Twelve Hour this year, and both times I bumped into people that are iRacing guys that were wearing t t shirts with their team name that I recognized, and right. I was like, oh hey, you know, I do racing too. I'm on Team Huge Ass, and immediately they like laughed and like, oh yeah, I've definitely heard of you guys, like. <laughs> like immediately like we were not like competing at like the highest level of sim no. racing but people it was, are it was like never going to be a super serious effort right. <laughs> but like you know even our small team you know of middle level skill we're like oh yeah i've definitely heard of you. i've seen you guys around you know we're pretty prolific on um the reddit so you know we are um... our, our livery has been seen <laughs> And so that was, uh, when was the first UJAS event? That was 2015, I think? 2015, that, I think, yeah. Spa. 2015 Spa. Spa 24. And we won that race. Let's talk about setting yourself up for a fall. Um, <laughs> it's all was, downhill from there. All, and, and so it has been. Um, but I think, I think that, that event really solidified our, our belief that this is something we really enjoyed doing with this community that we created. And it's grown from there. I think the first race we had a team entry where we had five drivers total. Mm -hmm. And now we're entering multiple cars with multiple drivers. I think, uh, what was the last race we did? Um, Sebring. Sebring, mm -hmm. Sebring we had cars. three cars with three, uh, cars. three or four drivers. I think mm -hmm. we had um, ten drivers in total. And all three cars got murdered. <laughs> um, uh, that's beside the point. Let's <laughs> loss over that while we can. Um, hey, that, that's i mean hey that's real racing sometimes, that's real racing that's what happens sometimes you don't finish the race especially and endurance that, racing and that has uh, that has really been the sort of model of uh of many endurance teams in iRacing that's you know how they operate and how they enter where huge ass has differed however is that in 2017 we took the step into real world racing um and that's something that i don't think has happened in iRacing before. I don't think there's been a team that's that's formed itself from an iRacing community from people that have never met and has created a real-life racing team. And I think that's pretty cool. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, so, you hear individuals doing it. And, right. But you don't hear of what we've talked about being this inclusive community of people that turn into friends, that start a team, that make the transition to a real-life race car. And yeah. so, to give, a, give the listeners a bit of background, uh, we race a we have a Miata that's owned by a couple of the team members, um, race prepared spec Miata, and we race it in a North American endurance series for budget race cars called the Champ Car Endurance Series. Uh, we will have another feature on that next next time um, because there's certainly a lot to unpack and discuss about the history of that event. Um, but basically, they run endurance races for the budget conscious motorsport enthusiast. Um, throughout the, throughout America, and we have done now. We've entered our car in uh, how many? Four, four, four races. We've completed um, four, yeah. at VIA and at Watkins Glen, and we've placed. We've placed well in our class. Uh, we've been, you know, leading our class at certain points, and these are all team members that have come together from iRacing. Yeah, 
I would um, I would argue that we have done better than our equipment would lend us to finish being well, like but, at, like at, like at Watkins Glen. I know for example, like we have the smallest. I think we had the small other than the rotaries. We had the smallest displacement on the yes, entire we track, did. and yeah. we finished. You know what was it like top twelve overall and like fourth in uh, class. top twenty overall or fourth yeah, and fifth in class. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, um, as far as that, like to finish as well as we did with our cars. And something to point out is that our drivers are all iRacers predominantly. We right. don't have, you know, with some exceptions, most of us don't have a lot of track experience. Absolutely. We're coming to this with skills that we've learned through a simulation and applying it to the real world. Right. And that's that's a unique thing as well, I think. Um, so we'll give we'll move on and uh, we'll give more details about that as, as the series progresses and uh, update you with our plans for 2019 soon. Um, but on that, on that uh, point of sim racing versus real life, um, I want to move on to the next segment that we have planned for this podcast, um, which is what, what we've uh, nicknamed the newbie topic. <laughs> um, and this is really a chance for our listeners and for our, for our community to engage with, with us as, uh, as team members to answer questions about something that um, we don't, you know, answer questions what don't you understand about our team what don't you understand about sim racing about champ car about yeah, motorsport you're an in outsider general? you have questions right and i'm going to be frank motorsport is not that easy to get into um, it's not there, there are a lot of details there are a lot of uh, little sort of factors yeah. that you need to be aware of and especially because it's not apples to apples compared- right you know, point-to-point rally to NASCAR to road racing. And then even just between those series, there's so many different segments and and classifications that if you're not really on top of it, you fall behind. Yeah. Right. For example, my dad has been watching NASCAR for like 35 years or something. And recently I've gotten into watching sports car racing. And so I've gone to a couple of races and I'm trying to just like explain to him who's like, I've been a race fan for like forever, like explain to him some of the stuff. And even he has like, he's getting it now, but like, it's something that takes time to like figure out. And, Absolutely. You know, so. So yeah, yeah. this, this, this topic is that uh, anyone can come on, have questions and we will do our best to answer them. And I'm so happy to say that for our first for our pilot episode, the guinea pig has decided to um, to join us in the booth is my wife. Very my brave. Wife, Sasha. Um, she is being very brave and she has, um, I, I feel like she has been a sim racer and a racer's wife for uh, a number of years now <laughs> and maybe has some, uh, some questions. I'm going to actually step away because I want to let you guys uh, answer her questions, and uh, I will bring her into the chair right now. The first okay. question is why? Why do you do this? <laughs> why? Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the booth. Hi. <laughs> Welcome. This is this is this intimidating or uh, not? a little bit? <laughs> okay. Well, at the end of the day, we're all just you know, nerds. I mean, I know that, but... <laughs> That's a given? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Oh, that's funny. Should I just start with a question? Or... Yeah, let's... let's okay. what, what's the first? What's the first question that we'll struggle to answer? <laughs> okay, I guess the question I've always had is how it, realistic it is, like, racing at home versus racing in a real car, since you guys have experience with both. I've done a couple HPDEs in a real life car. 
and when HPD oh, oh there you go see, <laughs> see already HPD right off the bat is, <laughs> it's a high performance driving experience so you're a car on a real life racetrack and you can go as fast as you can but there's certain restrictions so you can only pass or be passed with the car in front kind of like pointing you by voluntarily yeah or in a lot of them have a instructor in the car with you kind of pointing you around and telling you oh go faster here don't go as fast here make sure you do this make sure you do that so you're a real life car on track but there's certain restrictions to keep it from being like a full-blown race if that racing without the actual racing (laughs) (laughs) Okay. okay so i don't have my license at all i don't drive so if I trained really hard at home, could I then go on a track? Uh, yeah, I think, I think you so. do have to have a driver's license. Well, well yeah, okay, yeah. Some most theoretically, or, yeah, most organizations require some sort of license shirt that you can operate a motor vehicle in a safe manner on the road. But I think, like, obviously, getting a driver's license isn't impossible for any you know normal person so i think that with some training in the simulator and going out you could definitely jump right into it and at minimum it's, i would be a really good learning yeah. experience to just understand what could go wrong and how it could happen yeah uh, more so maybe you wouldn't be super amazing when you first go out or whatever but it would kind of be the teaching tools to help you understand what could go right what could go wrong and not be in any danger yeah i think the big thing is a lot of people never experience what it's like to like lose traction in a in a car like on the road because that's not something that you don't ever usually you're not braking hard or turning hard or you know accelerating like unless you're like a maniac on the street but like (laughs) i think my mom drive (laughs) i think but i think that like a uh it's a controlled environment so like you can you can feel what the car does in a controlled environment where if you do make a mistake the worst case scenario is you go into the grass or you hit something but it's a controlled environment rather than like you know i'm gonna see how fast i can go around this corner on the street and then you drive off the road and hit a pole or something i don't know but i've um, done that I've done that too. (laughs) I've done that too. I have not done that. (laughs) I was 13. Oh, wow. Okay. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But to go back. You don't have a license? (laughs) Well, yeah. My mom thought it'd be funny to teach me how to drive in front of everybody. And I drove into a pole and I've just been terrified. Oh. I mean, that's. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh but to go back to your original question, like how realistic is it? Uh it's very realistic. Um depending like we use iRacing, which is like the game that we use, but mm-hmm. um there are a couple of game. games <laughs> sim simulations um that are very realistic in to the point where like I've I've let my friends try it out and they they are like astonished like at how realistic it is. You know, like they crash into a wall and the wheels are like you know falling off i'm like oh you have to reset because your car is broken and they're like oh really like it simulates that I'm like yeah like you can't drive or it doesn't drive straight you know um but it's pretty realistic i mean there's obviously limitations to it but um it's as realistic as humanly possible uh which makes the transition to real racing less jarring i would say um where guys on our team have gone from just racing on the computer to racing wheel to wheel in person with like 
very successfully, I would say. For sure. That, that's impressive. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's um, fascinating, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I obviously don't pay enough attention uh, to, to Tom because uh, can you choose like any car, like even classic cars or like really, really bad cars to race with? Um, it depends. I racing, um, they have official series that they run every hour whatever um and those are set car series or set tracks um so they try to replicate like real racing series like f1 or nascar whatever um but you can for the most part you can pick whatever you want um it just depends on what the developers have like created um and most races try to pair cars of similar classes or abilities so that one person's not out there driving a bus and someone else <laughs> is out there driving like a super fast car because <laughs> there are some goofy races in some of the other games that that's kind of what they entail and it's just for fun but right. for the competitive side they try to make it as close as they can and they try to limit the pool because of that yeah but Aww. like our league for example um we have done our league is i don't want to say it's not serious because I think a lot of us take it very seriously, but we do a lot of goofy combos. She's laughing because she's probably heard all the stories. <laughs> but like we do like sometimes we'll do goofy combos that you would never see in real life or that you would never, you know, experience in an official uh, capacity. But we'll do something funky like like a really fast car and a really slow car on the same track at the same time. And, it's, you know, I don't, it sometimes we do interesting combinations um provide some fun entertainment say okay so if you could choose any car at all but like make it the most ridiculous car which one would you choose street stock not even close <laughs> um it's a oval car that is heavy and slow and doesn't turn well but it's just amazing and it's it's my favorite thing on the face of the earth <laughs> yeah that's uh, that's hard to top right there um i don't i don't know that i'm i'm just gonna be boring and say same because i love the street stock it's probably like my favorite car to race <laughs> it's just ridiculously it's i find that the most fun cars to race are the not like the fastest but the ones that are it gives most. everyone a chance and you never know what's going to happen yeah it's challenging it's like a fun challenge yeah yeah that's what i would say yeah um <sighs> i was doing some research oh boy and apparently you guys have certain wheels that you use at home oh yes for your racing mm -hmm. uh does thrustmaster know it's really funny as a name or do they take themselves <laughs> seriously i'm gonna be i'm gonna be frankly honest with you i've never thought about thrustmaster in any other function other than racing i'm so and sorry and now i will not be able to no, think of i it. can't either so if i remember right thrustmaster used to make stuff for flight sticks so pretending that you're flying a plane yeah, they used to be, they, I think they still do make joysticks. Yeah, and so I always assumed that thrust was like a plane thing and not a 
Thrustmaster. <laughs> it sounds like Don't a need sex to explain. toy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I didn't. I never connected didn't the need dots to there. <laughs> You're welcome. <clears throat> Maybe that could be like their advertising campaign, though. You know, if they want to get more female users in, just, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Uh. Okay, well, I guess talking oh, about female users, yes. uh, it's a very male-dominated game. Is it? I didn't notice. <laughs> Are there yes, some women or... Um, yes, but Thrustmaster rare. hasn't reached out to them yet. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no. they should. <laughs> um, uh, there are female racers. Um, I don't know what the actual breakdown is, but it's it's probably maybe two percent or something. I don't know. Um, is there anything that you guys would think about doing to get more women interested? Oh, I'd love to have more women interested. Um, there's a <clears throat> there's a woman. Uh, from Australia, her name is Emily Jones, and she's like super, super fast. Um, and I, I would love to see more women. I'm not sure like how you appeal to. Yeah, that's the struggle, right? Is how do you make it? How do you get them interested in the first place? Well, it's a W. It's a double whammy, right? So first of all, it's video games, and second of all, it's cars and racing. So it's kind of like two areas where women traditionally aren't interested in them so it's i mean more women more females are playing video games yeah i was gonna say more women video games is becoming i think that and that's good i think video games in general is becoming a lot more mainstream which is Mm -hmm. great because i love video games um so i think that definitely helps that that video games in general is becoming more mainstream but the hard part becomes you know we've talked about it being a simulation it being difficult and kind of it's not easy for someone to hop in, even right. if they've done a little bit of Forza or Gran Turismo or even Mario yeah. Kart, some of the more basic racing fun games. Yeah, it's not a direct correlation of fun. You can hop in Mario Kart, and even if you're terrible, it's a lot of fun. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can kind of do the same with some of the Forza and and Gran Turismo stuff, and it's really hard to do that in iRacing. It yeah. punishes bad driving and it punishes not like taking the time to practice and get good so how does iRacing get more drivers i would say how does kind of the racing community as a whole and video game community as a whole get more female in- interest yeah. and maybe as a byproduct that's where it comes from i mean i think there's been there's obviously been a lot of efforts with the w series which is a new um motorsport series that's starting this year that's all women um and there are more and more things like that that are coming along um i think with some time it, it'll it'll grow i think just think it's i don't know it's something that i've never really thought about but i mean i would love to have uh a more balanced set of it's not a very diverse group <laughs> if we're yeah. all very honest yeah. i think more diversity would be amazing and I, cool. I don't know how that happens. So we need to figure that out. I'll have to think about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. My last question is, why do you get so angry? <laughs> well, Seriously. Fawcett does not get angry at all. <clears throat> uh, really? He, uh, he doesn't. I'm a very calm person. I am not dramatic whatsoever. And I definitely do not wear my heart on my sleeve. <laughs> is there anyone on our team you haven't yelled at? 
Um, I don't think I've like maybe Sven. I don't think I've like yelled at everyone. I just I've. Well, I mean, I don't more think it's like a shout, like exclamatory. Yeah, I don't think I, I, I. Yeah, I, I. I just. I don't know. Why do we get so angry? I think it's. Well, one, I think we're all very competitive, which is, I think, why we're all drawn to motorsports because it's very competitive. Um, and I, we spend I, a lot of time. Yeah, and I, I know we've talked about the iRacing Endurance Series. We put hours and hours and hours and hours of practice for one race. Yeah. And if I'm the first car to go out there and I mess up or someone hits me, we might just call to quits right there and not finish the car because or finish, finish the race because the car's messed up. And that means everyone that's on my team doesn't even get the chance to drive the car. Mm-hmm. So between that, that's kind of one side. And then the other side is we've done the Reddit iRacing League. I've been a part of it for five seasons now where really one bad performance can kind of set you back. And normally you're kind of racing against the same people, same talent level. So you're probably going to be, if I get wrecked, it's probably going to be by someone that's close to me in the points bracket. Mm -hmm. And so it's almost like a double-edged sword where A, I got you know, wrecked, screwed over, whatever, and be my opponent that I really don't want to do better than me is the beneficiary of it. <laughs> I, yeah, I just think, I mean, I know that I get angry because just I'm such, I'm a very competitive person and I, I derive pleasure from, it sounds kind of sadistic, but like, I really like when I from do well, yeah, from Thrustmaster, <laughs> like when I do well, like when I beat Crawford, example like he and i in general are pretty similar but he's a little bit quicker so like when i beat him i feel really good because like i'm like all right like i did well or when i beat someone that's better than me uh, in an equal playing field like it feels really great so conversely when you do poorly you you have failed so i I don't know it i just it's it's i don't know why i get so 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 many times like i'll get angry and then i'll just like i'll step away from my computer and i'll like be laying in bed i'm like why did i just get so upset about like it's just (laughs) a stupid game at the end of the day it is just a game and you can't be okay so what's the most expensive thing you've broken out of anger um i broke a headset once and a keyboard oh no but that was it wasn't i didn't intentionally break it i just well it's not intentional you get angry (laughs) i did intentionally break a keyboard Um, oh no it was I like got wrecked out of a race or something and I just like I had had a really bad day or something and I just I I was reasonable. I took it outside and I just like smashed it against the concrete like <laughs> repeatedly and it helped. I felt a lot better. That's wow. so premeditated. Yeah. But in general, I try not to break equipment cuz it's expensive <laughs> yeah. and I'm, I'm not made of money. I don't think I've <laughs> broke anything out of anger. I will you know, yell at someone or or go to the gym i will do something go hang out with my dogs to kind of i find writing a a strongly worded message usually (laughs) like i'll I'll like i'll I'll express my displeasure and then like that usually helps like i'll just be like you are so stupid how could you do that and then i feel better that's you know which i'm becoming infamous for on the team so you know (laughs) anyway it's a good thing we need one (laughs) yes Yes, I'm becoming known as Shouty. That's like my nickname is Shouty Fawcett. 
Oh, that sounds like a cat's name. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I try to improve, but it's... It's a roller you know, coaster. It does good, I'm does just, bad. It just shows that I'm passionate. That's all. Anyway. <laughs> Okay. Um, thank you for joining us in this <laughs> thank segment. Thank you for having me. I think me. that it is fascinating, and I look to this segment again. But uh, great <laughs> questions. Thank you. Thank you. And me. I apologize for Thrustmaster. <laughs> no, please don't, because that's hilarious. <laughs> thank you. All right. Bye, guys. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that was good. The first newbie topic um, was very. It brought something unexpected. That's for sure. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So obviously, only hearing one side of that, um, <laughs> <laughs> I assume that uh, my wife was perfectly well behaved. <laughs> yes, 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 perfectly well behaved. Were you uh, surprised to hear that uh, connection between Thrustmaster and and just the naming of it? She's got the mouth of a docker. What can I say? <laughs> have um, you ever made that connection before? I've no, no, I have, a, I have a pure and clean mind, as you know. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, sure. So that was uh, the newbie topic. Uh, <laughs> I hope you enjoy that. Another one next week. Um, that was great. So this is the point of the show where we would uh, traditionally look at our real-life racing efforts. And we mentioned before the newbie topic briefly our, our Champ Car Endurance Miata. Um, and we have plans for 2019 as well. The first race is coming up in just over a month. Um, but instead of that, um, we think really... Um, the best way to tell the story is to bring in really the man who has been the driving force of Team Huge Ass, both in the in the online and uh, real world, which is our, our good friend Alex Albert. Um, so we're going to bring him into the booth right now. Woohoo! If we can, let's see. <laughs> there he is. There he is. Hi, Alex. Can you hear us? Yeah. Do you have me? Yes, we do. Um, so, um, we were uh, just reviewing uh, Huge Ass. We gave a little bit of history of the sim racing uh, origins and uh, iRacing and uh, a very brief overview of the Champ Car uh, Spec Miata that we've been uh, gradually introducing to, uh, to real-life racing since 2017. But I think uh, the best person to tell the story is you, so I'm going to sit back and let uh, Alex and yourself, the two Alexes, have a quick uh, interview and uh, chat about Huge Ass and anything else that's coming up in your life at the moment. Cool, man. So, Alex, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing well. So, uh, what's the uh, the rating on this um, podcast? Is this MA? PG? I, I would say so far we've been pretty PG. All um, right. My wife not not yeah. necessarily. Uh, Sasha made a PG thirteen with her first comment. <laughs> But aside from that, I think we've been uh, we've been pretty well behaved. All right. So, Alex, tell me about the origins of Team Huge Ass. What was the conception of the team uh, from the beginning? So, um, I'm not sure how much you guys have talked about it, but um, whenever iRacing came out with the uh, team driving feature, uh, I wanted to take advantage of it, and so um, did a race with another guy, Mike Ansbury, who's a former RIL driver and uh we entered the six hours of Watkins Glen and I ended up crashing us out of that while uh running second. And then we moved on to about a month later, ran spa and put together a team with uh some of the guys that are still around, Nate and Ryan and David and Babs. And so we raced spa and uh 
I'm racing under the huge ass banner because I wanted a memorable team name and from my mountain bike endurance racing days, uh, my favorite uh, team that I looked up to was Team Huge Ass. So uh, stole their name and we went racing and ended up winning our first ever 24-hour uh, race. And uh, it was a pretty pretty cool uh, deal. We ended up crashing the car and spending 30 minutes behind the wall and uh, came back from like 10 laps down. So it was crazy. And from then on, uh, you know, we thought we were pretty much experts. Uh, and uh, it wasn't too long after that, I met up with Tom for a beer that uh, that fall. Um, we were at the Full Shilling in uh, Manhattan and um, after work one night and after a few or more Guinness, um best by the guinness downtown i guarantee it <laughs> and uh i had been watching i think it was the american top gear show and they had they had went and um budget endurance racing and so uh you know we were shooting the shit and uh and uh you know i mentioned this and uh we googled it and we ended up not racing with uh lemons we didn't at the time you know we didn't even look at the schedule before we committed to doing it uh but we had what the germans call a schnapsity and um and we decided then that we needed to get a car and we needed to get racing and initially we thought that it could be done for i don't know we figured 100 bucks an hour that sounds about right <laughs> this was very much back of the napkin math at this point yeah and so we thought yeah napkin math yeah, that, after several drinks each huh some yeah. some guinness and uh well it turns out it's more expensive than that but uh so you know you fast forward a little ways we uh we looked around for cars and we, you know, we checked out the different series, did some, uh, you know, research and stuff. And we figured out that champ car was the one that raced, uh, mostly around here and had the most races. So, uh, we started looking at their results and, uh, saw that E30s were pretty competitive. Um, I went and checked out a race and confirmed that, uh, they were, and that there was a lot of other cars there and that it looked like a well-prepared car would do uh as well as a fast car that's not so well prepared um so fast forward we end up buying an e30 um we start down the path of getting it ready and then along comes uh the car we have now uh our buddy jeff was living in charlottesville at the time found the car uh, the local Craigslist um, got a good deal on it with some bears. He went and checked it out. Uh, everything seems good to go. So then the following Friday, it was uh, Memorial Day weekend. Um, let's see, of 2016. 2016, yep. And uh, it was that Friday. And uh, rented the U-Haul trailer and went up there and picked it up. And the truck looks like Sanford and Son. It was uh, stuffed completely full of everything that guy would give me. He gave me all kinds of extra stuff. <laughs> and it was stuffed in every crevice in the cab. And uh, the whole uh, bed was full of like spare engines, transmissions, and everything strapped down. And car full of spare parts. But uh, got it all back home and uh, got it put away. And then um, we were ready to go racing the next season. Uh, and so I, I guess you guys have probably got to, that's probably, I guess the end of the origin, uh, you know, then we, then we went to our first race at, uh, in March of 2017. 
at uh, so, BIR. So looking back, you've done four races now in real life in Champ Car. Mm-hmm. Did you expect it to be different? Has it turned out the way you wanted it to be? What has uh, what would you tell your past self? Just kind of if you if you could talk to yourself three years ago, what would be the differences? <laughs> well, oh man, so we're PG. Um, <laughs> we're gonna I'd be say, diplomatic. <laughs> yeah, I'd say get used to spending money. I mean, yep. In the beginning, it's like, damn, there's brakes, you know, damn, that's how much brake pads cost. And like, you know, it's like everything seems so expensive. But then, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to quit racing over, <laughs> you know, $150 brake pads. So, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess that's one thing. Uh, as far as racing goes, I'd say it's, it's been, it's, it's went better than I, than, than, than it really probably should have. Right. We've, um, we almost won our first 24 hour race. We weren't really prepared. Uh, we've got lucky in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we've, we've caught parts when they were like almost completely worn out, uh, a couple times on different things, hubs, brakes, different things that could have been catastrophic. So, um, just, we're getting better about, you know, this winter we took the whole car apart, service, really everything we could, new electrical system, new fuel system, new suspension, new engine, uh, same old transmission, uh, and same old differential. But, uh, you know, it's what it takes, you know, to, to run one of these cars hard for these kind of hours. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have high expectations of our team and, uh, and of myself. And I just want to bring the best piece that we can because that ultimately matters more than lap time in the end. Awesome. So I got a two part question for you here. What is your proudest achievement with huge ass both virtually and then in the real world? Well, let's see. Virtually, um, <laughs> there haven't been many proud moments. <laughs> no, no. I've, I, 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 I think back. Uh, I can't think. You know, I try not to have too long a memory. It makes you bitter. Um, I, we, I finished top five at the Nurburgring last year in the uh, top split. I guess. Uh, I guess my most my proudest individual achievement uh, is uh, third place in the Roar uh two years ago and uh beat my buddy travis davis uh, <laughs> we love him <laughs> had a, had a 2.4 hour fuel saving race you know what i mean it came down to the end and um yeah scored 205 points i think it's you know one of my highest uh point scoring um things on high racing so yeah that was a great drive and what about so, in real life so in real life um I guess I was, I, I'm just really, I guess I'm proud of our, of the effort at the 24. Um, the, the 24s are a lot harder than, um, than even, you know, a double 10 or a double seven or anything like that, because there's just no stop. And the fact that we were able to finish last year, uh, it, it, I think it was awesome. We were the, the uh, highest placed 1.6 liter. Uh, we were, you know, a few laps back from those other guys, but we were on the podium of the Mazdas and, um, you know, we kept running the whole time. We weren't able to do that the year before. And we, we just faced a lot of adversity. We didn't have, uh, didn't have a starter, didn't have a radio and, uh, times didn't have the cool suit at times didn't have proper camber or proper tires or, you know, any number of things, but, um, 
you know, we, that's one thing I, I think the team has learned that the, t- through iRacing that other teams, it takes them, you know, quite a few races to learn in the real world and it gets expensive is, you know, that all the time matters and um, it's all the little things and being a hero for, you know, a pass here isn't worth the time lost or the potential time lost. And, um, you know, whenever you've done it, you know, most drivers haven't done 10, 24 hour races or whatever, you know, a lot of our experienced drivers have done. So, um, I think that's an advantage that we have. And just being in those situations, the reason military uses, uh, simulators, you know, we can put our drivers in that situation, uh, hundreds of times in a season where a lot of amateur teams can only do it, you know, four hours a year. Awesome. That leads to my next question perfectly. How important has iRacing been in development in the development of the team? We've talked a lot about we compete in leagues, we all race together, but I want your opinion on specifically how has iRacing helped Team Huge S? Oh, for sure. It's um it, it teaches you racecraft and patience in endurance racing. It's uh you know patience is important, but also pace. You know, um, understanding that that you can't go out there and and just kind of drive around. You know that we're trying to set a certain pace, and um, it it's hard for a driver initially to come. I would say just off the street and be able to push for two hours, being able to push, push, push two hours is pretty hard. And, uh, you know, it's tiresome mentally and the drivers, they have that because they're, they're used to doing it for, uh, you know, hour races a couple times a week, you know, uh, multi-hour things, you know, quarterly and, you know, they're well-trained for it. And, and know how to get in the zone. And I think just being able to anticipate when bad stuff is going to happen. So many times we've seen it in the simulator, you know, we see it, you know, before it happens, you say, Oh, something bad's going to happen here. And then it does. But being in that situation hundreds of times, having your race ruined, you know, hundreds of times, maybe has taught you that it's just not worth getting up in there to get a better look, stay back here and, uh, and, you know, feel it out. Cool. Last question. It's also a two-parter. What is the future of Team Huge Ass for Part A this year? And then Part B would be the long-term future of Team Huge Ass. Well, I don't know. I guess uh, try to win the uh, championship someday. Um, or win a one world championship. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Constructors <laughs> world yeah. champions. Yeah, something that we could buy the cars maybe. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, 20, 2019, we've got an exciting season lined up, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know how much you guys have talked about it, but um, so we're going to be leading off the season. And I guess I can um, just let the cork out of the bottle here. You guys can be the first to know it. But uh, on our young driver development program, Alexander Klink is going to be testing the car at Dominion Raceway. And so that is going to be May the 17th. Uh, one week later, all the boys will be in Watkins Glen for a test uh, for the Champ Car Series. And then on Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, we will be racing a seven-hour race. And again, on Sunday, um, our driver lineup there will include uh, Tom and myself, as well as Chris Haybear, uh, the aforementioned Alexander Clink, and Evan Merrill. So we're going to get uh, Mr. Clink some time in 
get him compared against some veterans uh, like Haybear and Merrill who are uh, known hot shoes. So uh, me and Tom have a good driver lineup there to support us. Uh, about six weeks later, we'll be making the long trip out to the cornfields to race at the famous Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And that's I'm so excited about that. It's going to be great. Yeah, so that, that'll be July 13th and 14th. We'll be there and be doing 10-hour races both days. Uh, driver lineup there includes myself, Tom, and David Haynes. Uh, I believe Nate Franklin and Mr. Haynes is traveling a little ways for that, isn't he? Yeah. So, and Haynes is coming all the way from Australia to uh, be a guest driver for that. And uh, I asked him, you know, why that track over the other ones? He said, oh, mate, everyone's heard of Indianapolis. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I mean, that it's, it's kind of like that illustrates the power of iRacing, the power of this team, right? We have this guy from Brisbane, Australia. We met him online in an iRacing league. Fast forward four or five years, he's flying to Indianapolis to drive a real car in a real endurance race. Like, he's I don't not care. the only one doing that. I don't care who you are. That's a pretty cool story. For, yeah. for VIR24, uh, we have another one, don't we? We yeah. do. Yeah, so then, um, so about a month later, the timeline gets even more accelerated. We'll be going <laughs> to the toughest race of the year and uh, the crown jewel in our schedule. And that is VIR 24 with the Champ Car Endurance Series. Um, that's the one that uh, we all want to win the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and that will include the driver lineup of uh, Tom and myself again, uh, Mr. Haybear, Mr. Merrill, Mr. Franklin, and um, and also Mr. Demmel coming out of Germany. So... Um, He's coming also a long way. This would be, I believe, Finn's first trip to the United States. David came to the States two years ago to a race and uh, supported us. So it's going to be pretty interesting. We already have quite a few flags on the car. It's going to be cool to have a few more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to see uh, Sven in the real car. Sven is probably the fastest guy on our team. He is certainly the driver with the the most number of virtual championships. (laughs) Yes. The, the highest rated uh, driver that we have in our league and our team. So but I don't think he's. See. I don't think he's ever had experience on a real track. He's done karting in Germany locally, but he's never been on a real track in a race car. And yeah. that, to me, would be fascinating to see how that translates. It'll be very interesting. I, I think it, it'll be direct. Um, you know, we've seen uh, seen that it's there's not a far correlation off with uh, the simulator. You know, the guys that are able to. Uh, really get the lap times out of the cars in the simulator the same guys can do it on the track it's uh i think the uh the g-forces and things might mess with him a little bit in the beginning he might not be quite able to push like uh say someone like evan merrill but i think towards the end of the stint uh we'll see that he's going to be able to get a lap time he's going to want one to hang his hat on before he goes home to germany we're all very competitive people and he's competitive too so (laughs) you know (laughs) all good racing drivers are exactly well we appreciate it alex um glad to have you on it was a blast and look forward to seeing you at a couple of these races this year hey yeah and um good luck with the podcast guys um thanks for having me on episode one and um look forward to uh checking it out thank you very much thanks alex yep cheers
All right, that was Alex Albert, uh, the legendary Mr. Huge Ass himself. Uh, thank you for joining us for this uh, inaugural pilot episode of the EHJ podcast. And that, I think, about wraps it up, guys, unless you have any uh, any last-minute thoughts. I think we've babbled on long enough. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think so. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, we have a lot to be going on with, um, and we certainly plan to be doing this uh, every other week, I think, um, yeah. for the next couple of months. We've got some things to discuss. We've got some champ car uh, adventures to explore, those races that Alex has detailed coming up, yep. and uh, I'm sure plenty of real-life motorsport news to... Uh, to gloss over and uh to get oh in, man get into i could details i could talk about race until the cows come home so <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah do the um, cows come home? <laughs> i don't know it's past their bedtime at the moment i can guarantee that <laughs> yes it is um but i want to say to everyone who's listening thank you for joining us uh thank you for tuning in and if you need to get in touch with us if maybe you have any feedback to the uh to the podcast if you want to be involved if you want to join us for the newbie topic interview we'd be more than happy to have you on um, and talk about anything that you want to talk about with respect to motorsport uh, you can contact us at our email address which is hjmpodcast at gmail.com that's h as in harry j as in jazz and m as in motorsport podcast at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> um but from myself tom addison um from uh, our co-host uh, andrew fawcett yep that's me <laughs> and alex Crawford. have a good night guys and uh, final word, our producer tonight, Mr. Michael Derby in the booth, as always, keeping us on the straight and narrow. Good yeah. night to everyone.